You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Uh, I'm confident of what I know of your pastor, Dustin, in his heart. He desires that you take every next step following Jesus you can. And I just want to encourage you today that Jesus Christ has a next step for you to take. And I believe that each person in this room, God has appointed you to hear his voice. And and with that, I am not so arrogant as to say it's going to come from me because it ain't. All right. I know I'm messed up. I'm frail. And and I, I fall down over and over again. But I know his word will not return to him void. And I'm confident the Holy Spirit is going to speak to some of you. And it may not be in the outline of what I present. It may not be in the verses I share but the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each person in this room. I'm confident of that. And that said, I, I, want, to, I want to pray even more. I want to pray again as we step into the Word. God, I thank you again for this opportunity to speak. I thank you again for this opportunity to be here. Um, more than anything, I thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to gather corporately and worship your name. Where so many people around the world, God, are, are struggling or suffering, especially Christ followers, um, I thank you that you again are giving us the freedom to worship you. Why would we not take advantage of that? I ask Holy Spirit you to break every chain that is binding anyone in this place from taking the next step of glorifying you. Whether it's pride or guilt, uh, whatever that thing is, God, I pray that you break it. Or laziness. And we take every next step to follow you, Jesus Christ, that we can. May you be glorified as a result of what happens here. And I, I thank you for your word as you promised in Isaiah 55, 11. God, that your word will not go forth your mouth and return to you void, but it will accomplish that which you please and achieve the purpose which you send it. And I thank you that we can bank on that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, guys, I'm, I'm again, a huge privilege to be here. I'm Chuck Gordon. Um, and uh, from we've been in Evans since 91. My bride, Jennifer, over there, I'm so blessed she's with me today. And uh, we live in Evans. She teaches at Evans High School. And I have the privilege of, of knowing your, your pastor. And just I love his heart for my Jesus. And just so incredibly, uh, such a blessing to me. I have a ministry, Connect Hope, and basically I work with pastors all across the CSRA and have that amazing privilege. I'm part-time on staff at at True North, and and I work behind the scenes with volunteers, volunteer culture, but I primarily spend time with pastors all around the community, and and I absolutely love it. And uh, like I said, your pastor is one I absolutely look forward to anytime I can see. But but here's the thing, as we dig in this morning, um, I was loving just listening even this last week at, at some of the things he was sharing leading up to Christ going to the cross. And I know for, for many of us, that's where we're at. We're leading up to Easter. And if, we, if we're not careful, then this can all be about, you know, am I getting enough Reese's Easter eggs? Am I getting enough peeps? Am I getting enough, you know, all those things around the house? If we're not careful, we can slide into Easter and it's all about the fringe stuff. It's not about the heart of it. And so I thank God for the series leading up to Jesus Christ's journey to the cross. And as we take it, I know Dustin even sharing uh, this last week, um, talking about, I love, love as he expressed, you know, delayed disobedience, excuse me, delayed obedience is disobedience. And just the truth of that, I know he's restated that before, and didn't, but again, just the, the truth of that. And I want to encourage you today that as, as we're talking about God's word in every Sunday, what if you and I came, as he was saying at the beginning, anticipating God's going to speak to me? What if we came every Sunday just anticipating that God has a word he wants to speak to my heart and soul? And every Sunday, what if we came with this thought, God's got a next step for me? 
Because I, I believe that every day um, I, when I wake up, get up in the morning, it's just kind of a, it's been a habit. I just pray, God, I pray that I'm ready for the appointments you have for me. And I step out the appointments you have for me. And, and 99% of those appointments are not on my, on my phone. They're ones I have no clue about. Um, even one the other day, just, I ran into a guy, I was going out to shoot a video, a devotional video, ended up running into a guy that, that traveled here over an hour to come to a construction site. We just happened to meet up early and all said and done, uh, God led a conversation of this guy's walking through a struggle with his family, with health issues. And I got to pray with this guy and just tearing up. And it's just like, okay, if that's the only appointment you have for me all week, it, it was incredible. It's amazing what you do, God, when we're on your appointment schedule. So I want to encourage you today, whatever appointment God has you here, know that, again, it's worth it. Even though for some of you, the journey here was painful, because let's be honest, some of y'all, I, I know the conversation in the van. You look at me, you're going to behave in church today. We're going to worship God. You know, and, it, and we look in the rearview mirror telling our kids, you know, how they need to behave. We, we have those conversations at home. Okay, we're late. Uh, some of you were out in the car probably honking the horn. We're late to church. You know, we, we have those things happening. And, and the thing is, we sometimes get so much in the process, we miss out what God wants us to do and what God wants to speak in our life. Right now in this journey, Jesus Christ is heading the, to the, basically to his crucifixion. And nothing's going to deter him. It's amazing what led up to this point. He just came from the triumphal entry. You know, everybody's going crazy. They're laying down palm branches. They're saying Hosanna to the son of David, etc. You know, the band's out there, you know, don't stop believing. Okay, if there was a theme song, that would be going on in the background, theme chorus, okay? So they wouldn't be, they'd be singing a lot better than I am. But anyway, if that was going on, that's what would be happening. They were so excited. And then all of a sudden, everything changed. Uh, they had this, again, dramatic entry, and, and everybody seemed like, if, if you stopped the movie at this point, everybody would be like, you know, if this was a movie we'd be watching now, you'd be like, man, it's going to be amazing. Everybody's going to turn to Jesus, because, like, they're laying down palm branches, kids are screaming, everybody's screaming. It's a huge, it's a happy family movie. And then everything dramatically changes. Have you ever had one of those moments where, where I was just thinking in, in preparation, just how many of these moments we've had looking, anticipating doing something. Y'all have had these. You're, you're so looking forward to your family vacation. You've been planning it for weeks or months, same all for hours, you know, but anyway, and you finally get there and what happens? The van breaks down. Or you finally arrive at your destination, and what happens? Everybody gets a stomach bug. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my wife and I had this getaway this past summer. We were so excited to finally have this getaway. We were going out to the Hilton Head area, and, and we've been looking forward to this for months because we just had not had any time. It had been a chaotic time together. And all of a sudden, we got there, and just, okay, we can breathe. There's actually, on, before we got to leave, there was a, a situation, a family situation, that put everything in question. It's like we started to cancel it because, okay, this is not going to work. We had, you know, medical situation, da, da, da. And it's like, okay, we can't go. No, we got to go. We got there. Then the place we're staying, beautiful house. The air conditioning went out on it. And this is midsummer, okay? This is July, and it's just it's scorching hot. We get in our van. The air conditioner in our van goes out. I mean, this is literally, we're just like, okay, what else can happen? My, my bride got sick, and not really bad, but enough to where things we planned we couldn't do because covid Oh, you can't sneeze. You can't breathe because COVID. So we, you know, weren't able to do this. And it was just one of those, just seemed like thing after thing. It's like, okay, God, you got a plan in this. We've been looking for it. Jesus Christ came off this high. Everything's going well. And I believe we all have those points. But all of a sudden he's about to enter the temple and things change. And that's where we pick up this morning. Jesus had this triumphal entry in verse, uh, Matthew 21, verse 12 is where we're picking up. 
Jesus entered the temple courts, drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables and money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So what's the deal? I mean, Jesus, come on. I mean, everybody's worshiping you. Why are you ticked off like this? Well, Jesus, again, when he drove this out, it it all goes back to uh, Moses had initiated in Exodus chapter 30, just a little bit historical background. Moses had initiated, in essence, this tax that that every believer, every follower of God was going to give this tax, whether rich or poor. This was, in essence, this coin was like a half shekel. And what this was, you would give this, this was part of, again, taking care, a special provision for the temple of God and for those who took care of the temple of God. And so over time, this, this had happened. And again, it was not a bad thing because it had been initiated. And, and even with that, in Leviticus 14, it was talked about, okay, like the cheapest thing you could sacrifice were doves. And God had provided, okay, you can do this because it was a sacrificial system that God had set up. And Moses would had implemented it. This was a good thing. But what happened when Jesus, what he walked into, was he walked into a temple and the outer courts of the temple and the outer courts of the temple had been set up for the Gentiles to come into and see who this God was and even to learn, is this a God we want to follow? But it had been made into a den of thieves. What I mean by that is they had money changers there that again, they had this special half shekel that the Jews used. It had no image on it. So it was given in honor of God because no image should be worshiped but God. So they had this half shekel, but most of the people that came from all around that part of the world were, were using Roman money. And so when they came in, what they would do is they would exchange Roman money for the half shekel. Well, the money changers that were there would charge triple, quadruple the actual value of the coin. They were, make, they were becoming rich on the people that traveled in to worship God. And so God is going, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm not going to have you take what I intended and you twist it and pervert it. And here, again, this outer court was set up so that the Gentiles could come in and see who God was. But yet the money changers came in and basically made it something, we're going to make money off this. We're going to use this for our own purposes. They twisted it and perverted it. And even they took this exorbitant interest off of, again, what people came in, well-meaning people, some religious, but they came in to honor God. And so with that, the purpose of this court, Jesus Christ decided, I'm going to tack this head on. And why he did it, it's what the, the disciples later refer to. Psalm 90, 69, excuse me, 9 says, For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Jesus had zeal for his church. He had zeal for his body because he did not want sin to overtake it. He came in and saw this representation of God, and he was so ticked off because it was reflecting the world something is not supposed to be. I mean, for some of us, let's be honest. We've seen the church, and, and I, I have no doubt, and because of the number of Christ followers I've talked with over years, some of you have had a hard time with the body of Christ, with the, excuse me, the church, and with churchianity. Not, not Christianity, but churchianity. Because you've seen so many perversions in it, haven't you? I know I have. I've seen so many people twist it. In fact, I believe the statement is so true. The church of, of Christ would be amazingly beautiful if it weren't for, if it weren't for people. We could just get rid of all the people. The church of Christ would be actually beautiful. beautiful. But, but the thing is, Christ didn't die for an empty church. He died for sinful people like you and me. And for some of us, you're, you, we have a hard time being in the church, don't we? Because we look at all the people that are messed up and the people maybe that have hurt us. 
But the tragedy is, is, is really this, if we think about it, you know, if God cleaned out all those messed up people, you and I'd be in that bunch too, wouldn't we? Because we're all stinking messed up. We, all of us in, in this. So Jesus Christ, he has a reproach for it. And, and he came, but again, he had zeal for his body. And here we go. The offering itself was not what God pleased God in the first place. What God wanted was the people with an attitude of offering. God wasn't concerned with people who were coming and paying a half shekel or two doves. What God wanted were people that were coming and willing to say, I'm offering my life to you. And with this, the same holds true for us. I want to encourage you today, just I love the worship time at the beginning. Jesus doesn't need you to worship. He doesn't need me to worship. But he wants us to have a heart of worship. That's his desire. And there's something beautiful about that. And even it even says in God's word in Luke 19, verse 40, that if we're not going to worship, God can make the stones cry out, you know? We have an opportunity to worship God and say, God, I'm all for it. I want to glorify you. Today, I want to tell you this, though. You and I no longer worship in a temple. This is where we're coming from. And and I have to be careful. I know as your pastor does incredibly, we have to be careful in God's word because just because something is written in God's word, it's not about us. It's about God's glory. Now we can take it and apply it to us. This passage is not speaking to you and me about this is what the temple is supposed to be. But God gives us a parallel that we need to pull from this. Because here's the deal. God no longer wants us to worship him in the temple because today the truth is this. If you're a Christ follower, the temple resides in you. Let me, let me tell you what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. It says, Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Isn't that powerful? Guys, we don't need a building, a structure to worship God because the temple of God is with us, is within us if we're Christ followers. And God's trying to get out that message in this whole thing. He even goes on, the temple is a reflection of Christ. It's not a building. You can build a building and we can worship God in anything, but the temple is in you and me. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So I want to kind of take this and bring it home. Is there anything in your life and mine that a table needs to be turned over on? Jesus Christ went in the temple and he turned over tables because it was sinful before God. Let me bring it back. Maybe some of you are like, I don't know, whatever. Some of you, let me, if you have a godly mom, you can relate with this. What are some things that your mom, if she knew about, she would be like, put your face in this. You know what I'm saying? If your mama knew, she would not be happy. My, my bride can call, we have three daughters and, and love our girls. And two of them are in Oklahoma and, and one's in Atlanta um, at Georgia Tech. And this, this actually just shows the sovereignty of God. Me being a Florida Gator and I have daughters that went to Georgia Tech and Georgia Southern. And yet I, I love your pastor, right? So that's, there's something in being a Georgia fan. So there's something about the sovereignty of God and the grace of God in this. But anyway, and uh, he's back there going, wait, I made a bad choice. I've got the microphone, dude. So anyway, but... Um, <laughs> No, um, but again, just with this, I, I love the truth in this. What would your mama say about some things? Now I'm going to flip it around, bring it to Jesus. Is there any area in your life that you believe Jesus Christ would walk in right now in the temple of your heart and soul that he'd be flipping tables? Is there any area of sin, something you're holding on to that would be offensive to God if you walked in? Because the truth is, If you are a Christ follower, if you've surrendered your life to Christ as Lord, 
then He is in you. And, and there's nothing in Him that is going to coddle or, or kind of nurse something that's offensive to Him. This is, this is hard for me and this is a struggle for me. But, but if it's, here, here's the thing. God's will, God's will for you today and me today, God's biggest plan, the biggest thing that you and I have to wrestle with is not, okay, guys, what is it? Is it steak and shake or Culver's? Where are we going afterwards? It, it, it really, that's not the biggest thing God has on your agenda and in mine. The, the biggest thing that God wants you and I to know is, what's the next step I can take to glorify you, God? And for some of us, that first step needs to be, we've got to flip some tables. We've got to clear out the stuff that's dishonoring to God. And James, again, 4.17 says this, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So not only is it the bad things, the things that we shouldn't be holding on to, sometimes it's the good things we're not doing. It's the, the element of, as, as your pastor had said, it's that element of disobedience. That's still sinful. Lack of obedience is disobedience. What is God calling you to do? I'm, basically, that's something I'm wrestling with continually and why I lay it out here. As we go to the cross with Christ, I believe that it's something God calls us all to do. What are we doing with what God's told us to do? Are we obeying him with that? In here, this is kind of a little tongue twister, but, but please put up with me. Why coddle or court anything that required the cross for Christ? You got that? Why coddle or cuddle, or basically a court, or court, or you can put cuddle up here, is fine. Anything that required the cross for Christ. Why would we want to cuddle something? If there's something in our life that, that again, it required Jesus Christ to go to the to cross, how could we still hold on to it and nurture it? What is it about us that, that wants to do that? It, it's kind of funny. Um, I love having conversations with people about who Jesus Christ is. And I especially love having conversations with people about Jesus Christ. They don't know I'm a pastor or in ministry. In fact, my bride knows. I, I never tell people that I'm a pastor. I never introduce myself as pastor because I want people to be real with me. And I know, I know your pastor knows this because something changes when people find out you're a pastor. You really, people act different. In fact, I've had this happen so often, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'll have, you know, people will be cussing up a storm or something. And, and I mean, just, and it's like, it doesn't mess with me because, I mean, let's be real. I mean, come on, I grew up on a farm. I grew up around a lot of things. I and mean, it's just, this is life. It's okay. I want people to be real around me. One of the things that happen, have happened more often than not is this. I'll have somebody talking to me and they're sitting there smoking a cigarette. And again, usually this is religious people, not Christ followers. Usually it's people that are religious, have a religious background. And maybe this is some of you. They're sitting there smoking a cigarette. They're talking to me, etc. And then often the distance, I've had this so, so many times, often the distance, somebody will be like, hey, Pastor Chuck. I'm like, oh, crud. Here we go. You know, anyway, but what happens magically, the cigarette, they're like this, you know, kind of standing there. Magically, the cigarette disappears. Literally. I mean, this has happened so many times I can't count. And, and what's amazing, I'm kind of standing there and all of a sudden I see puffs of smoke and I'm like, how are you smoking from your, wait, I don't want to know. Anyway, cause, I mean, because it's like, and they're holding it back here. It's like, okay, what happened? Because I believe this, if we're religious, then we feel guilty and we want to change things because we feel guilty. But if we're Christ followers, we're convicted and we want to change because we want to honor God. And so today, I just want to kind of even lay out for some, 
Where are you at? When, when things about Christ are shared, even on this platform, or things about Christ are shared, maybe it's with your spouse, or your family. When things about Christ are heard, are you feeling guilty? Or is there an element of conviction knowing, you know in your heart and soul, and this is dishonoring to God, I want to take a step closer to Him. Or is it basically something repelling you? That's what guilt does. because It pushes us away, whereas conviction draws us closer. And see, that's the beauty of Christ. Everything He did, and when we, when we sense conviction, and I say this because it's painful sometimes, I don't want to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me about things, but I know the only reason God's sharing is because He wants to draw me closer in relationship to Him. I want to encourage you for that reason. Again, going back with that, why would we coddle or cuddle anything that requires the cross? Coddling sin never, ever honors God. As soon as Christ reveals it, I want to encourage you to violently get rid of it. To violently set it aside. Here's the deal. You and I know when the Holy Spirit's speaking to us. I believe some of us, to be honest, we came in here today and there's something the Holy Spirit's convicting us of. And maybe it's an element of lack of obedience, or the sin of omission. In essence, we're not obeying what God has told us to do. Or maybe it's the sin, again, there's something God's told us to do. And we're pushing it off. We're brushing it aside. We're not obeying. Uh, I believe Warren, Warren Wearsby, I love how he said it this way. He said, when God cannot rule, he overrules. Here's what I know. Again, if you're religious, uh, you can keep brushing around, pushing away. But if you're a Christ follower, God, God's going to, he's going to get in there and convict. And you're going to be miserable. Because I know, I've struggled sometimes. And it's the Holy Spirit going, come on, come on. When are you going to do this? Come on, when are you going to take a step? God will eventually overrule. And he's going to speak to our heart and soul because he wants to draw us closer. And this is what Jesus was doing when he was in the temple. He was just like, come on, you're telling the world that something that I came, I came here for is not worthy of living for. You're telling the world, but you're destroying it. And they overturned the tables. He said, this is to be a house of prayer. And he, here's what I know about you because I know this about me. When there's anything in my life that I'm walking in disobedience to or I'm walking in sin with, I have a hard time praying. When you and I are walking, supposedly in relationship with Christ, but there's something we're not embracing Christ with, we're, we're holding back on being obedient to Christ or dealing with a sin. Isn't it hard to pray? It's hard to talk to God about things because we really, we start, we know we're going to be convicted. We know as soon as we open that door and say, God, I need, we know the Holy Spirit's going to be okay about what about, when are you going to do something about? We don't need to coddle or cuddle or court anything that cost Jesus Christ the, the cross, that, that put him there. Even go, go here, guys. Uh, there is never, there is not a single, and just go in, in one area, there's not a single spouse here, wife here, that's going, I hope my, my, my husband slowly pulls off of, of being addicted to porn. I just hope that this slow progression comes away from it. No, there needs to be a violent, this ends now. There needs to be a violent end to the affair. There needs to be a violent end to whatever it is that's pulling away from Christ. I'm gonna go a little, little different road. I, I wanna encourage you, don't set your kids up for again, having tables set up in the room, uh, tables set up in their life. And what I mean by that, tables that are again, sinful. I, I want to encourage you, something we did in our house, and again, this may be favorable. Some of y'all may not like this, uh, but we with our girls, um, we basically had a thing where high school, middle school, whatever, their phones at night would always come out and stay. We have a check-in port and basically charge station in our house, and that's where they stayed. They didn't go back to the rooms. Computers not in their rooms. Computers always stayed out in the big room. Some of you are like, come on, this is a 
multimedia age, et cetera. Let me kind of ask a different question. How many parents, if you have a, a son, are going to give your son a stack of Playboy magazines and say, hey, go take them to your room, but only read the articles? How good is that going to be? Some of your kids, let me go ahead and say, some of your kids are, are going to hate me right now because there are going to be changes in households. But, but here's the deal. Because when we, when we allow, again, kids to have unlimited access, I know they're going to have access at school. I know they're going to have access at whatever. But when it's at night, and, and here's where I see the challenge with, with females. I see with teenage girls flipping through Instagram, flipping through whatever else, and they're seeing everybody else's best story they're not hearing about the depression other people are doing and they're comparing themselves over and over and over to other people's best life until 3 a.m., 4 a.m. Then they walk at, wake up the next morning cranky. What are we setting people up for? We're setting up again tables to be set up in a temple that need to be flipped over. And I'm saying this again, not out of some conservative guilt thing. I'm saying this out of love and care. What are we setting up tables for? Why are we not protecting our kids even in situations? So that's a little rabbit trail. I'm sorry, but just looking at that, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I, I love, again, a theologian that in essence was executed by, by Hitler's men. He, he said this, when, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And he's basically saying what Jesus Christ said, you mean, if you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow. Let's go. Let's not hold on to the old life. You got to set down the other things and keep going. If we claim to follow Christ, not only must we die to ourselves, we must put to death that which executed Christ. And that's the call we're going with today. I'm going to keep rolling. Matthew 21, 14. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The blind and the lame came to Jesus and he healed them. And I love this because when you take it in the context, what did the blind and the lame just see or hear? Well, the blind didn't see this. They heard it, but they, or they were told about it. They saw Jesus and they heard of Jesus going Rambo in the temple courts. Jesus is going there just going crazy, knocking over things because, again, it was dishonoring to God. And yet the blind and the lame went to him and were healed. Why is that a challenge? Because Jesus spoke at the time to what they would have heard because seeing everything in their culture that had been taught by the Pharisees was this. If you're blind, if you're lame, if you have a disease, it's because either you've sinned or your parents have sinned. And so they would have gone to Jesus knowing that, okay, Jesus just wrecked the temple because of sin. And I'm going to go up to him and say, I'm blind or lame. He's probably going to wreck me up because I'm, I'm, I must be a horrible sinner if I'm this way. Does that make sense? I wonder again, how many of us, the reason we're not going to Jesus Christ is because of something in our past that we're just like, God can't love me because of blank. God wouldn't put up with me because of, and maybe it's not distant past. Maybe it just happened this morning. Maybe it happened this past week. And so we put off, we don't acknowledge the fact God loves us and we don't go to God because again, we feel like God's going to hold something against us. The common belief again was this, but they determined, here's the thing, they determined I'd rather face the wrath of God and be healed than not be healed at all. And so they went to him. And how beautiful is that? Again, so I ask another question. Um, I'm asking questions with it during the message. Why miss what Jesus wants to do in your life now? Because of who you once were. Why miss the power of who Jesus Christ is and what he wants to do in your life and my life now? Because of who you once were. 
I believe for some of us, it's so easy. Again, we get caught up into it and maybe it's shame. It keeps us, but we need to stop using our past history as a reason for not going to Christ. What if God wants to do something amazing? Guys, what if God wants to raise you up as a person that's going to change the world? I mean, like no one else before. What if God wants to raise some of you up? If you've heard the name Billy Graham, what if God wants to raise you up as the next Billy Graham? What if God wants to raise you up and use you like nobody else in this generation for his fame? Why would you and I allow something that's in our past to keep us from going to Christ? I want to encourage you today, don't, don't let anything stop you. If it's a sin, confess a sin. If it's an addiction, get help with the addiction. There are all sorts of resources. I know your, your pastor and the staff can help with that. If you need marital counseling, get marital counseling. How many times I've heard people, one spouse go, I, I want to go, but my, other, my spouse doesn't. And they're begging, they're pleading. Why would you want to doom it to not move forward? So, so again, I want to encourage you today. There's a God of hope, a God of love, a God of compassion that he's willing to come in and wreck the temple because he loves you that much. And here, here's the brutal truth. When you and I, when we're dealing with sin, if we come to God, is he going to tell us things sometimes that we don't want to hear? Yeah. And sometimes he's going to call us to take steps that maybe we don't really want to take. But every stinking one of them is going to draw us in a closer love relationship with him. Why would we hold off? And, and it goes on again. So, so with this, why would we miss what God wants to do in your life now because of who you once were? What's gone on in the past? I want to encourage you today. Take every next step. Don't let anything keep you from moving on. And, and for some of us, it might be this. It, maybe it's even spending time in his word. Are you spending time, spending time in God's word on a daily basis? And, you know, three days a week, five days a week, whatever it is. Just a few verses a day. For some of us, is it serving? What's that next step God wants you to take? You'll never, ever regret it. And, and here's, here's another one. And th this is always touchy with, with certain people. How about tithing? Is that something you've considered doing? If so, praise God. If not, why not? And here's the thing. I get to say this with, you know, no cost to me. I, I won't be able to be here next week, so I love you. But, and so again, I get to talk about that because God has blessed us incredibly. Since, since before we even married, we were both tithing, and we set that up. Back in the day and age, there used to be a thing called checkbooks. Okay, some of y'all, it's, it's paper transcripts that you flip the check up, you write actually out this piece of paper, and you give it to people, and you have a little register where you record the checks. When I first started um, dating my my eventually to be bride, uh, we were both giving actually at the time I wasn't, and this is a little rabbit trail. I was serving at a, at a church as a youth director. I was a new Christ follower, man, but I had a church that invited me on to be a youth director. So I'm like, sure. And so she was tithing to this church giving. And, and um, so she said, are you tithing? I was like, well, no. And she's like, why not? I said, well, I'm on staff. If you're on staff, you don't tithe. She's like, where's that in scripture? All right. Anyway, so again, I'm so thankful again that I, I was educated my, by my eventually bride. And so that became something, even when we first got married, what always happened in our checkbook is we basically had a deposit of our, our pay, our salary. And then the next line was tithe immediately. And then after that was mortgage, was everything else. And it just became, it's always been, it's never even a second thought. Now you know, we've automated it and it always comes out. And, and here's the, why am I going here? Because I believe often, often, it reflects the element or level of obedience that we have. 
Because see, what usually happens is if we can excuse, well, I don't really need to tithe, then we start to excuse other things. If there's any area of obedience that God calls us to and we can excuse it, then we have a tendency to start excusing other things. It goes hand in hand. Some, again, I get it, and you probably had the argument, you know, yes, that's an Old Testament term. Yes, you're right. You're absolutely correct. 10% is an Old Testament thing. I absolutely agree. If, if you don't want to do an Old Testament thing, I'll encourage you to go with a New Testament thing, what Jesus said, everything. You either go with, okay, 10% and honor God, you know, to give it, or you can go New Testament. Jesus says, everything is mine, and, and you live off of what God says that you can live off of. I had once had a guy that came up to me and had shared a message and came up um, after the service. And he said, Chuck, I get this. I get what you're saying with the tithing thing. And, and, and it was kind of, it was a little twisted version of it. He goes like, I know you got to make money. And all. it was like, okay, dude, we have a board of elders. They decide what I make. And it, nothing changes on how much comes in each week, whatever, you know. So it's not like I get more if you give more kind of thing. I, we're not that kind of church, which that's not a church at all. But anyway, um, so I said, that's all set. He goes, well, I, just, I get it. But, you know, I got a new promotion. And I'm making, man, uh, nice, very, very nice six-figure income. And I really, I can't afford to give 10%. And, and he said that, and I just remember it was kind of a unique conversation. I said, I get it. So talk to me. He goes, well, you know, I get, and I could probably give some. I might give a couple hundred, you know, every now and then, whatever. But I really can't afford to give that much. But um, I said, I got it. So it sounds like it's a struggle of obedience right now. He goes, yeah, I'll do what God tells me to do, but I really don't see doing that. I said, can I pray with you? He said, sure. So I prayed with him. I said, listen, God, I'm, God, I'm just asking you, thank you for this conversation. And I'm asking you right now uh, to give him strength to obey you, whatever you call him to give. But God, if he's unable to give at the salary that he has now, please lower his salary to a point where he can give. At the end of that, he booked back up. He goes, whoa, 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 hold on. What are you doing? I was like, I'm just being honest. I, my prayer is more of your obedience than it is tithe. Because the one that's blessed in this is not the person receiving the tithe. It's the one that gives. Because it's all, it, it purely boils down to this. Tithe is not about money. It's purely about obedience. Uh, stepping into having a daily God time is all about obedience. It's not about, again, it's God time. Sharing Christ with people, it's, it's not about, again, you're sharing Christ. It's about obeying and loving God. Processing and dealing with and kicking over tables that are in the temple of God, they're sinful. It's, it's not about getting rid of something that you embrace. It's all about honoring God. My encouragement to you is, is why miss out on what Jesus wants for your life? Because we're holding on to something that's keeping us away from experiencing the power of God. Let me keep going. First John, but for those who are struggling, First John 1, 8, 9 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive our, ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so if we walk through again, and we're, we're dealing with this element of uh, we don't really believe we have sin, well, we're deceiving ourselves according to God's word. But he goes on here for some of us, this is what I want to encourage you with. Maybe you're holding off and going before God and, and obeying God. God's word says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the beauty of the God who loves us, that he can come in your life and mine and kick over tables, but then turn right back around and heal us. He, he can kick over the sin tables, but then he's going to turn right back around and go, the only reason I did that is because it's keeping you from a relationship with me. And I wonder today, what are the things that are keeping you and I from that love relationship, from healing? And maybe some today need, hurt. it's not just physical healing, but maybe it's emotional healing. Somebody's hurt you bad. 
And you need God to restore a relationship with you. Let me keep going on. I, I, I wanted you to know this, that your story hasn't finished. It's not over. Move and obey Jesus. Your story isn't done. It's not finished. Whatever happened, happened. Move and obey Jesus. Matthew 21, 15 and following. It says this, But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna, son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out of the city of Beth to Bethany where he spent the night. I love that passage because all of a sudden the kids are going crazy. And, and here's what I almost imagine because it's probably happened here. The, the people are breaking down church in essence and the kids are running around in a circle going, Hosanna to the son of David. And they're just going around and they're probably, in many of the kids, some probably know what they're saying, but others of them probably don't even know what they're saying. They're just running in a circle, singing, singing the song and saying it out loud. See, because verse, I have to take into account in verse 9, Moms and dads were out in the streets singing Hosanna. They were, they were singing this, taking this. They were saying praise to God. They were again calling out his name. And they were saying, Hosanna, son of David. And I wonder how many of the kids were merely mimicking mom and dad from out in the street. So, so I wonder with you and I, and, and I say this again, especially for parents, because I have a parent's heart, man. I wonder for us, how many of us are realizing our, our kids are going to mimic the God we worship and how we worship Him? They're going to mimic what we do. Uh, years ago, our, our um, youngest, our firstborn, I, I remember this so distinctly. We were driving down the road and, and we were in our van, and, uh, in, in, excuse me, in our car at the time, and our daughter, apparently how her seat was in the back, um, she was facing forward and I was driving down and all of a sudden this van flew around me and cut me off and, you know, pull around and, and, um, I just remember going, Whoa, Jack, you know, I didn't cuss, but I just said, Whoa, Jack. Anyway. And all of a sudden in my daughter's in the back seat, and person cut me off and Jennifer and I are okay. And I had to slam on the brakes, etc. Anyway, I don't know if it was a week, a couple weeks go by we're sitting in our house and, and the house we used to live in had this long driveway back behind it. You could see through the fence and see this driveway. And all of a sudden our daughter's sitting there and we're feeding her. And again, she could just barely talk, but all of a sudden on this driveway, a van flies down totally different van, whatever else flies down. All of a sudden our daughter goes, whoa, Jack, whoa, Jack, whoa, Jack. And I'm like, Oh no, you know, because what else is she going to mimic? And again, just she mimicked what I said. She did what I said. And, and there's a point where eventually we had to learn this as our daughters went off to college that, you know, they've got to make their own decisions. They're, they're going to come to their own faith. It's no longer going to be what we believe. It's all about what they believe. But we have such an incredible responsibility to raise them up after the God who loves them. And, and when, when our children, again, if they were to stand before Jesus right now, what would they be saying about him? If, they, if Jesus were to walk on this platform and your children came running in here, you know, what would their thing be to them that, that they heard from you or heard being around you? Would it be, Jesus, you behave, or are you going to just spanking when you go home? You know, is that, is that what they would hear? Or would they be hearing what you heard on the radio here? One margarita, two margarita, three margarita. So, I mean, what, what are they going to, what, what is it they're going to be repeating as they're with Christ, because they hear it from you and me. 
I, I just kind of plain and simple that who you are away from church defines the God or get, basically you worship in church. Who you and I are away from here, it's really, we're the temple of God and that's the, the God we're going to be worshiping here. If we're not truly worshiping Lord God Almighty, then we're going to be about how soon can we get out of here because I've got other things to do. But if we're worshiping the God that we worship all week long, then we find ourselves just wanting to be in the very presence of God. Here we go. Why, so another question, why limit our worship of God unless we're limiting our obedience to God? Why limit our worship of God unless we are limiting our obedience to God? See, see, here's the thing. When we limit our worship of God to just Sunday morning, unfortunately, too often we limit our obedience to, of God through the week. Does that make sense? There's a parallel. I want to encourage you and challenge you. Why ask these questions? I want to challenge you to break the norm and, and worship God throughout the week. Doesn't mean you have to have Christian radio on all the time, but it means just why not pray as you're in your car? Man, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but spend me for your fame. God, I want to honor you instead of berate my children, berate my spouse. I want to glorify you. God, please do this in my life. Speak truth in my life. So again, God's primary concern as we kind of pull it together, God's primary concern is not your happiness because his son's death and resurrection was for your holiness and mine. May I pray that resonates in your heart and soul. God, again, he, does he want you happy? Yes, of course he wants Christ for us, but that's not his primary purpose. God didn't come, so you'd be happy. For some, happiness is going to, here's what's happiness. Happiness is always based on circumstances, Joy is based on something that's true and eternal. Happiness is based on if you go on a trip and your air condition is working at the house you're staying on on vacation. Joy is the fact you get to be honor God and live for him wherever you are, whether it's air conditioning or not. Again, happiness is circumstantial, but joy is eternal. I want to encourage you again, God came again, not that you and I be happy. Sometimes that means he's going to have to kick over some tables. Final question. Is my relationship with Christ based on past obedience or present surrender? Is your relationship my relationship? Is my relationship with Christ, is it, is it based on past obedience or present surrender? I want to encourage you today, wherever God has you, whatever he's doing in your life, whatever next step he's called you to take, will you take today the step he's calling you to take? And some, it is going to be confessing sin. It's going to be realizing and, and acknowledging before God, like we talked about in 1 John 1.8, if we claim to be without sin, we're liars. And the truth isn't in us. Let's just be real, myself included. We're, we're all liars when it comes to that. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all of the junk, from every last bit of it. Even the stuff you're thinking right now, God couldn't forgive me for that. Yeah, he can forgive you of that. But you and I have to choose. Am I going to honor God with this? Am I going to step into it? I want to encourage you today. What's the current, the present surrender God's calling you to? Is it a step of serving? Is it a step of, of honoring your spouse? Is it a step to go get counseling? Is it a step again to start tithing? Is it a step again to follow Jesus like you've never done before? Is it confessing a sin? Whatever that next step is. Why don't you experience the power of God by taking it today. Don't put it off. Maybe it's asking forgiveness of somebody. That's painful. 
I've had to do it before, guys. People that I've offended in ministry. And I've had to go and God's convicted my heart and soul of how I've hurt somebody. You'll never, ever regret taking the next step of surrender following Jesus. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.